This is the Working Drummer Podcast, featuring conversations with ground-level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, welcome to Working Drummer Podcast. I'm Zach Albetta, and this week we welcome back Dave Elich. You're probably familiar with his online drum course, Getting Out of Your Own Way, which Matt and I have both used and highly recommend. He's about to release a new online course called Staying Out of Your Own Way, which is not just for drummers, but musicians of all stripes, and focuses on how to establish and maintain healthy use of your body at your instrument and in daily life. The course will be released March 4th, and you can pre-order it now at S-O-O-Y-O-W.com. We have tons of Patreon content for you to check out, and you can access all of it for a buck a month. Matt and I are doing monthly installments now of the two of us just catching up about recent guests and whatever else, and our old buddy Matt Iceman will soon be contributing some video content. As always, there are video lessons, transcriptions, and bonus interview content from our former guests. Once again, a donation of $1 a month gets you access to everything at patreon.com slash working drummer. So as we discuss here in the beginning of the interview, I've personally found a lot of success with Dave's approach, having spent the last 16 months on the road. It can be a source of some controversy in the drumming community, especially on social media, but it contains a lot more nuance and flexibility and above all reason than the internet often allows time for. His approach is simply a process of questioning, seeking, and testing to arrive at ever better results. And I can tell you from experience, the results are hard to argue with. So let's get to what this new course is all about. Here's our buddy Dave Elish. Uh, home ownership treating you there great man I, I i was in uh you know i've been in la for 20 years now so um you know it's pretty amazing to be able to have a place where i can have my drums and i can have my cars and have everything in one one spot so yeah it's it's been um it's been amazing i really can't say enough good things i'm in i'm in woodland hills which i never really spent a lot of time in before but uh i love it um i was just yeah. Hanging out with Bill Dedimore from Pork Pies right around the corner from me. So, um, oh, cool. Yeah. So it's great. I'm super stoked. Yeah. How, how many trips to Home Depot so far? 
<laughs> Luckily, not that much, man. I, the house good. was in pretty good shape when I got it. So I'm, I'm yeah, but uh, I had to do some work, but nothing crazy. Cool, cool. Yeah. Um, so, so let's get right to it. What's, what's in the new course? Actually, you sent me kind of an outline of, of yeah. stuff you cover in the additions to the course. Um, oh, well, and... so that, so that's something right there. So this is not, um, uh, this is not an update to, to getting out of your own way. This is a completely new course. Oh, killer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That <clears throat> doesn't really change any of my questions. Fortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <clears throat> um, Okay, well, I mean, that brings up one question. What What is different about this course uh, that you didn't feel... Um, wh- why is this a new course as opposed to a, a new addition to getting out of your own way? Yeah, great question. So this course is uh, called Staying Out of Your Own Way. And it's, it's for all musicians, not just drummers. And mm. so I was lucky enough to have... Uh, Diana Linden as a mentor of mine. So she was a sports massage therapist, a body worker. And uh, she was basically like my grandma. I was really close with her. I, she worked on me and um, I learned just so much from her from spending a lot of time with her and sending people that I work with to her. And so after years of working together and <clears throat> her helping me and helping countless other people that I sent to her, I was constantly like, Diana, you've got to write this stuff down. And she was just like, I don't want to. It's all, it just wasn't her vibe. And so we got together maybe 10 or 15 times, took her out to dinner, and she would just riff, and I would type as fast as I possibly could. <laughs> and so we got down as much uh, as much we had as, as we possibly could, and the script was almost done. And she was seven, almost 76, and she, uh, she got sick and she passed away before we could finish the script mm. together, So, which is exactly why I was doing it in the first place, because I was like, Diana, you're one of a kind, you're a genius, I want to make sure that this stuff is written down for everyone. Um, mm-hmm. And so, um, and when I teach people, and in the last few years, I've been expanding to teaching more than just drummers, I teach guitar players and and bass players and pedal steel players and what have you, uh, because the approach that I have and the information that's in this course is universal in that when I do give bass players or guitar players lessons, I have to have the same exact conversation that I have with drummers. And so, um, so I wanted to make something that is not out there. And the Western medical establishment is, is great in a lot of ways. Um, but in this area in particular, they fail completely in that if someone goes into them to see a doctor and like my arm hurts, uh, and the doctor goes, okay, here's some pills. Here's a cortisone shot. Let's give you surgery. You don't need, let's send you to a physical therapist. Who's totally checked out and probably not going to help you. (laughs) Um, and they don't, no one can get the help they need because the Western medical establishment doesn't believe in the paradigm or the sort of pathology of you have scar tissue build up from millions of repetitions over years, especially if you're older and throughout that immense amount of repetitions, you develop fascial adhesions, you develop scar tissues in in your muscles and your tendons and your ligaments. And to me, one of the things I learned and experienced firsthand with Diana, no pun intended, is that 
getting sports massage and going in there and breaking up those fascial adhesions to me in my experience and all the people I work with is the only thing that actually works. Mm. So, um, again, like, like with getting out of your own way, the, the reason why I do what I do is because I want to give people information that actually works. So, the conversations I have to have every day is is with these people, especially older people, is like, are you stretching? Are you are you getting body work, uh, specifically sports massage, uh, and are you strength training? Mm-hmm. And and then you know related to that, are you warming up and are you cooling down? So it's about treating ourselves as athletes because we are athletes. You're on tour, dude. You're this tour has yeah. been crazy long for you. And like, you have to take care of yourself. And we've worked on that together privately. Right. So yeah, you're, yeah, you're, yeah. you're, li- you're a living example of why I'm making this course. And I, you know, I gotta say, uh, this, this tour is almost over. Um, I'm going to be, Oh, wow. In, yeah. It's been, it will have been 16 months. I will be home in a little wow. less than a month. Yeah. So it's 16 months over 450 shows, eight shows a week. Uh, that's insane. Like, make no mistake. I'm tired. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And, and some, some shit, some shit hurts. Um, but, uh, you know, thanks to, you know, thanks in no small part to your approach and what I've learned from you, I'm going home in one piece. I'm going home with no, no injuries, no chronic bullshit. Um, I'm, I'm just going home with some wear and tear fatigue, (laughs) <laughs> that is gonna you know <laughs> subside after i'm not that's amazing shows that's, that's amazing man i'm so happy to hear that and that's that's exactly why i do what i do man because you're out there in the trenches doing it and the six 16 month tour that's that's unheard yeah. of yeah and that's i mean it is unheard of that's it, that's how the musical theater world works um it's just you know it, it goes until it doesn't you know some tours um have you know specific start and end dates but others are just open-ended and mm-hmm. they just go some of them have breaks built in i was fortunate that that our schedule had some breaks built into it it wasn't super mm-hmm. regular it, it mm-hmm. was just kind of you know came when they did um mm-hmm. but other tours um like the one my buddy q is on the hamilton tour there are no breaks in the tour and you're allowed to take time off and bring in a sub um wow. but they just go um so yeah, I, I really got thrown into the fire or into the deep end or, or whatever. And um, I was just thinking today, like it's, you know, I, I knew I was getting ready to talk to you and I realized it is not an exaggeration to say that if, if I went at this with my old habits, I would have been toast by the end of the first week. Like <laughs> that's it. That's, that's huge, man. Well, thank God we got to we got to work together before you did it. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and again, that's, that's what I have to say all the time. It's like, I do what I do because I want to help people more than anything. And also because I've toured myself, you know, I'm right. not sitting in a studio all day, like thinking hypothetically about what it might be like to tour. I know what it's like to tour in a van playing shitty dive bars. And I know what it's like to fly privately and play stadiums. So right. like what whatever you're doing, it it doesn't really matter. Like you right. have and, to take and, care of yourself. 
you don't have to be, you know, touring constantly or flying around the world, um, uh, you know, to fuck yourself up. Like, I think everything, <laughs> you know, it's true. If you're, if, if you're the kind of drummer that plays, you know, a two hour gig once a week or a couple of times a month, like that can fuck you up if you don't have the right oh. habits. Oh, 100 percent, man. I, and like, you, you know, I was saying your, your tour 16, 16 months, that's unheard of because most tours these days are like three to five weeks. And then you like, let's say you're in a big band, you're, you're out for three to five weeks, you're home for two to three weeks, and you might do that for a year or something, you know? Right. Um, so, so yeah, like that, and that is certainly enough to screw someone up. Right. And I should stipulate, you know, our tour and, and musical theater tours in general tend to sit down in a city for, you know, a week. It's not like we're mm-hmm. on a plane or a bus every day, you know, setting up and sure. down every day. Um, but you know, sure. we are playing, we are playing every fucking day. Um, yeah, so it's a, lot. a couple of the things in, in your outline here, grab my attention. Um, you know, warming up is something that we talk all the time about. Um, and Mm -hmm. you know, I've since, since studying with you and revamping my physical approach, like warming up is something that I'm taking extremely seriously every time I play. Um, Mm -hmm. but cool, cool down is something that I am still totally slacking on. (laughs) And I think most drummers are, um, so, um, yeah, just talk about the, the, the warm up cool down approach in this course. Sure. So again, we need to approach playing music, um, even if you're not touring around town, whatever, uh, especially as, as drummers. But again, this applies to all instrumentalists. But with drummers, uh, yeah, you've got to load all your gear in your car, unload it, like play a gig, load it back in your car, unload it. Like, and people, I know, I know this has certainly happened to me. You know, you, you, you pick up or let down your hardware bag in some way you throw your back out. Like that's, that's just as important as how you're using yourself when you're playing, understanding how to lift uh, things. But warming up and cooling down, we have to think of and treat ourselves like athletes. So what I say every day to people is, when you watch a baseball team or a football team or a soccer team go out on the field and they get ready to play, they don't just like walk on the field and immediately start running around. Right. right? There's a whole protocol to warming up, stretching, moving around, um, uh, all kinds of stuff you can do to get the blood flowing and get the muscles warm. And, And so, you know, what everyone has done in drumming certainly in the past is you sit down on a practice pad and you do rudiments for 45 minutes, maybe, maybe five minutes, usually yeah. most people. Uh, and that doesn't do anything. Right. Because it has nothing to do with what you're actually doing when you're physically playing. Um, you know, I was hanging with, with Haka from Meshuggah, who's, you know, a really close friend of mine. I haven't worked with him for years and uh, one of my heroes. And I went to see him recently <clears throat> And I'm hanging out on the bus with them, and I was like, "So, uh, what are you what are you doing to warm up for these shows?" And he's like, <laughs> "I don't I don't warm up, you know." And I'm just like, <laughs> "Like, dude, you're like 52. You're playing Bleed, which is like one of the craziest songs ever written. How are you not warming up?" And yeah. and this is how most people are. It's yeah. it's pretty it's pretty wild. So. You know, from my own experience in touring, uh, I when I think when I was out with Anti-Mask or something back in the day, I was at the gym skipping rope, and I was like, wait, why am I not doing this on the road? 
Mm-hmm. And I started doing it on the road. And immediately it was a complete and total game changer because it, even when I would sit there on a pad for a long time, my feet and my legs would be cold, which is a real problem. Yeah. When you sit down to start playing, um, also it gets the blood flowing. It's a lymphatic pump. It gets your cardiovascular system going. It gets, it gets you in like game mode. Right. And, and so that alone, you know, there's some more particular instructions in the course as just to how you would structure that. But skipping rope before you go on is, is massively important. And it's, a lot of people, I'll tell them to do it. And, you know, like like you posted this on your Instagram. And, and, and it's amazing how many people come in to study with me. And and I'm like, so have you been skipping rope? Like, no. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> you know, so I, once people start doing it, I've had plenty of people studying with me where they've had problems with their hands and their arms. And we didn't even go over any technique stuff. Just them implementing the warm-up protocol, everything went away. Because so many times what happens is we don't warm up. We sit down and start playing. We get hit by a truck and everything freezes up. You get the claws and then, (laughs) you know, you're basically in, you're basically like in shock for, for the first third of the show and you never really get to ease into it. So that's uh, the warm up thing is, is extremely important and, and um, for a variety of reasons. And it's very simple. Uh, Yeah. yeah. And I found um, you mentioned skipping rope, which I do where and when I can. Like, you know, we're in all these Mm -hmm. things and (laughs) I'm six foot five. And sometimes there just isn't the ceiling clearance in, you know, in the fucking basement near the pit. Um, (laughs) Totally. So, like, you know, I've I've found like anything I can do to get my heart rate up. If I do stair flights, if I do planks, if I do jumping jacks. Yeah. um, and and you know you mentioned your your uh, buddy who's just like not warming up and like throwing himself yep. at the drums like some people do get away with that i got away with it for a while um and you know a you get away with it until you don't um but Bingo. b even if you are getting away with it if you if you actually warm up the like you know if you're at if you're at you know a b without warming up, then warming up is going to take you to an A and A plus. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, that's, very well said. that's been huge on this tour for me. And I'm, you know, I'm at the point where I, I do not get away with it. Like if I do not do this warm up routine, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not like, I'm not going to survive the show <laughs> basically. Well, because you know, it's, it's sort of analogous, uh, analogous to, um, to, I've been trying to fix a lot of uh, my, um, sleeping issues I've had for a few years. Uh, and I have sleep apnea and I tried the CPAP and I was like, Oh, this is just like, I can't use it. And I, um, and you know, I just started trying to use it again in my new house and, uh, and you know, I have an aura ring and I'm all, you know, checking my stats and everything. And human beings are incredibly adaptable. Uh, it's one mm-hmm. of the things that that makes them so special is how resilient they are. So for, for better or worse, right? So right, right. Uh, you can get used to having shitty sleep and not functioning. And then when you get good sleep, you're like, oh, is this what I'm supposed to feel like when I wake up in the morning? I'm like not <laughs> supposed to have brain fog and I'm, I have energy. And, and it's the same thing with warming up. Like you can get used to not warming up and getting hit by a truck. And then when you actually do – and you sit down and you play the first song warmed up and it, and it, you're just gliding into everything. 
and it yep. feels like the third or fourth song in the set you're like oh wow this is this is i didn't know this was possible yeah yeah absolutely um the other funny thing is like when i i, I always do you know my warm up and sometimes it's more thorough than others mm-hmm. right sometimes mm-hmm. i just don't have time to do the full thing and i get good enough and it's like okay time to do the show but when i mm-hmm. have when i do like a really thorough warm up the click feels slow <laughs> mm. like when when i sit down and shit is really pumping you know that click mm. starts and i'm like is this is this the right track like what <laughs> it just feels yeah. everything slows down yeah, you know what's interesting is I think that has to do with the heart your heart rate being up. Yeah. Um, and you actually being being warmed up and your perception of time. I actually was working with someone uh, in a big band recently and they were they were dealing with some a couple of other other anxiety issues and stuff and they were saying, "Oh, I'd actually like pump the brakes a little bit on skipping rope before, like right before we went on stage because it would ramp me up like kind of too much." Mm. Um in that regard, that's sort of an exception to the rule. And there are obviously other options, plenty of other things we can do. But yeah, if your b- blood's pumping like that, you can sit down and go, oh, is this song this slow? <laughs> like, that's, that's kind of yeah. wild. And it's because you're all you're like rearing to go, you're ready to, you're ready to go. There isn't that kind of like blocky, like clumsy, you know, it's, it's, it's really not a lot different I mean that a lot of people this is literally true but it's like when your hands are cold and you're trying to put on gloves and like you drop your keys and it's like some people go out on stage like that it, it really blows my mind yeah yeah the other thing i've noticed about like a full body warm-up is that if i if i warm up the big shit first like if i get you know the the big structural parts of my body like ready to go the actual hand drum warm up is so much easier and so much quicker. Mm. All that you're, you're telling your body and your system, like, you know, we got to get ready to work all hands on deck. Right. So when you actually Mm -hmm. sit down to play drums, those muscles already have blood and oxygen flowing through them. It's not like I can, you know, go at it full steam right away, but very quickly I start going through my little warm up exercises and my hands and arms are like, Oh yeah, this, okay, great. Yeah. Mm hmm. And and if you're doing it like you are as often as you are, your your everything, your nervous system and your body get used to it as yep. well. So I, I'm sure that it's like when you wake up in the morning and you're like ready for a coffee. It's the same thing. Your body's like, okay, yeah, I know what I know what's going on now. You know, I'm ready to ready to play this show. Yeah, um, that's great. Yeah, and <clears throat> yeah, and speaking of the larger muscle groups, I remember when I was in high school, I had a total revelation when I went to the gym. And I was doing a leg workout and I came back home. I was like, okay, I got to work on my double bass. This is going to be really hard because I just did a bunch of legs. And then I sat down and I was just like, I was like, wait, this is, why is this so easy? And it's like, oh, because my legs are actually warm for the first time in my entire life. Right. And And I I think if you had, if you had waited a few hours more, your legs would have been like, go fuck yourself. (laughs) Yeah, 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 totally. So, so yeah, um, like it takes a while to get those big muscle groups like warmed up and, and going. And one of the things I talk about in the course when we're talking about massage is uh, I learned this the hard way when I was out with Miley. I got they had a masseuse and I was like, oh, let me just get like a massage before the first show. And it was like a sort of quote, quote, unquote, normal massage. And it made me super spacey. Right. It was a ter- ter- terrible idea. 
Um, and so what you want to do if you have a skilled practitioner is get kind of a really quick five minute, like rough and tumble, like, you know, uh, uh, massage to get your nervous system and your body kind of ramped up and like ready to go. Yep. Uh, it's a specific type of, of massage in, in that, like it kind of works in the same way that we're talking about. Right. The, the other way, one of the many ways that I'm spoiled on this tour is that we have a physical therapist who travels with us. Um, Great. And I see her three times a week and it's, it's that kind of pre-show, you know, she just, she beats me up <laughs> a little bit for Good. half an hour and just gets things Good. mobile. And, you know, sometimes there's acute shit that I've got to work on, but you know, it's massage, mm -hmm. it's ART, it's muscle energy, it's cupping, it's dry needling. It's like all this. Great. Um, Great. That's really been that's, the other lifesaver on this tour. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, and that's why. I'm making this because, you know, in an organization like you're in or in like Cirque du Soleil or something, they understand that not just the musicians, but the dancers and the actors and everyone there understand that they're athletes and they have to take care of their assets, essentially. Yep. Right. Yep. And, and so they're Absolutely. smart enough to they're smart enough to do that. Um, but it's also like anything, you know, 95% of people don't know what they're doing. So, and whether you're talking about a drum teacher or a guitar teacher or a doctor or a therapist, like, so you have to be really careful with, with who you, uh, with who you get to do anything mm -hmm. with, and you have to try, try to vet them. So, you know, it sounds like you got a good person, which, which is lucky. Yeah. And great. She, she knows, she knows her shit. Absolutely. And you know, we have the benefit, you know, we've been on the road together for over a year. And so she's developed a relationship with each one of the performers and kind of gotten very familiar with each one of their issues, you know, what, what potential hazards there are in their mm -hmm. job, whether mm -hmm. it's the drummer or one of the actors or, you know, a, a crew member. Mm -hmm. That's great. Talk about uh, the warm down thing or cool down. Thing oh yeah, because, sure. You know, after after every show, I hear a bunch of the actors. You know, they're changing out of their costume into their street clothes and they're doing their little you know gentle descending scale things. Mm. And I'm like, I I really should be doing whatever the equivalent of that is for me. Yeah, um, you're right. You're right. Um, so essentially, what I do is I get like a beer tub or a, you know, a t-shirt bin or whatever you have in your own tour. You can just go buy one at Walmart for 10 bucks. And I fill it up with ice water and I sort of dunk my arms as much as I can of my hands and my arms in the ice water for, uh, you know, a few minutes on a few minutes off. And I do a few sets of that and then I'll, you know, put on a sweatshirt or wrap my arms in towels or something. And, and then there's other stuff you can do like infrared or, or take a hot bath or something and get back to the hotel. There's other things you can do the cold, hot exposure. Um, and, but, but the cold really, really, really helps with stimulating blood flow and getting all the blood, red blood cells in there and, um, repairing all of the damage you just did to yourself. And it's again, like 
when I was doing tours that were maybe more hard hitting, like Mars Volta or something, and I started doing that, it was very noticeable. The next day, I'd wake up and my my hand, I was like, oh yeah, I feel I feel good. It wasn't like this, uh oh, like I'm all inflamed and um, right. you know uh, have that again that sort of claw thing happening. Um, so again, it's a very simple thing. You can also obviously like put your feet in there as well. Uh, if you're doing a ton of double base, um, if you are in a situation where you could do an ice bath afterwards, like great. Um, you don't have to go crazy, but some, some type of, of cold exposure post show is, is really good for the inflammation. So it's a little, a literal cool down. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I've talked with our physical therapist about, um, you know, some sort of cool down stretches that mm. I can do, particularly mm -hmm. for my back and, and lower back. Um, and like I said, I have, I've been slacking. I, I still got to implement it. <laughs> well, yeah. So that's, so speaking of that, this, this course is, is broken up into, uh, myofascial body work, mm -hmm. strength training and stretching, because those are the three things that people need to do that they don't do. And even if they, um, uh, and, and they need to get good information in regards to doing each one of those things and structuring a program and, and having it all um, uh, cohesive, right? So stretching is so important, man. Uh, and again, having the right stretches in the right form. So, so, one of, so what I did with this course is obviously what Diana and I had envisioned is we wrote the whole script together and I was going to be in the video and she was going to be sort of doing the voiceovers. And after she passed away, I was like, shit, what am I going to do? Because very hard to find. I mean, she was irreplaceable, but it, it, it's very hard to find people that I, that I trusted who did good work, um, who were, right. you know, up to her. I don't want to say up to her level cause that's impossible to find, but competent people I could trust. Because that's right. something I talk about with, drum, with drumming all the time is it's the wild, wild west out there. And with when you start getting into fitness, it gets even worse than the music world. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it's it can be, you know, dangerous. And when I injure myself, I, I injure myself at the gym because I'm all filled up with testosterone and drinking espresso and listening to Pantera. And I like I might <laughs> jump up too much, too much weight at once. And then I... <laughs> Like ah oh, yeah, I went a little went yeah. a little too hard there. That was stu that was stupid. Vinnie, Vinnie Paul got you again. Yeah, man, always <laughs> always gets me. So I, I never too. injure myself. Yeah, he's the best. Uh, but I, I never <laughs> injure myself playing drums. I just injure myself at the gym if I do because again of this stupid testosterone monkey brain thing. Um, <laughs> so so um, anyway, I'm getting off track here. But so. Uh, I, uh, so Zamia Cohen is the person that I used for the strength training section of the course. And she was the only trainer that Diana liked. She was like, mm. everyone's an idiot. Zamia is awesome. I trust her. She's the only person I've seen <laughs> who knows what she's doing. Um, yeah. so I hit her up and we got together and I was like, you're awesome. Let's do this. And then we started training together uh, in, in sort of real life. And I've been training with her personally for about seven months now. And I've sent a bunch of, of students and clients to her and she's just fantastic. Um, Kara, uh, Norris, who does the myofascial, uh, massage, both like showing what you should look for when you get work done on yourself, uh, on your, on you, and then also strategies to work on yourself in, in between. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and uh, so Neil Daniels and Adam Criscow recommended her to me because I was asking around and we instantly hit it off. She's great. She's a singer. So she understands the music stuff and um, she's a great, pra- great practitioner. Um, and then Yanni Tarma, who we've known each other for maybe 15 years. She was a bass player, went to Berkeley back in the day and was a bass player with like um, Christina Perry and Kylie Minogue and the Karma super maybe um, all kinds of people back in the day. And then she quit music and became a uh, strength and conditioning uh, sort of mobility specialist. So yeah. now she uh, owns this company called Kari, K-A-A-R-I, and she helps athletes with mobility. And so she did all the stretching stuff because I didn't want to come out with this course and be like, okay, I'm outside of my wheelhouse and my form is all wrong. Like for me, I'm like, that's the last thing I wanted to do. So I had each one of these people making sure that everything was by the book. Uh, and, you know, there's a, there were some discrepancies between what Diana thought and what they thought. And so, you know, I, I tended to try to keep Diana's vision intact. But if something was um, if they felt very strongly about something, I would go with what, what they wanted to do. And um, so I'm just so fortunate I have them in this uh, involved with this. It's great. Yeah. You mentioned uh, mobility, which I think is a fairly new concept um, mm-hmm. in the fitness world. Um, at least mm-hmm. you know, calling it mobility is is a fairly new thing. Um, and a lot of it resonates with me and, and um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm drawn to it because it seems to encompass, um, you know, flexibility and strength training and, you know, just general movement. Um, it, it, in my mind, it, it just means like keeping all the systems of your body in strong, good, smooth working order. And mm-hmm. there are many ways to sort of get to that. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but it's really how I'm thinking about my body these days. Like I'm not concerned with getting stronger. I obviously don't want to lose strength, but like, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to get yoked. I'm not trying to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, put my ankle behind my head in terms of flexibility or whatever. I know that's mm-hmm. never going to happen. Although my flexibility mm-hmm. has improved a great deal. I'm concerned with mobility. I'm concerned with feeling good and loose and strong and solid and balanced. Um, you know, not just behind the kit, but everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's about this whole thing. I mean, really what I do just all the time is it's about me doing the best that I can to not compartmentalize. Yeah. Really anywhere so you know having these all these different disciplines and seeing how they're all interrelated and how they influence each other uh you know one of the things that we talk about in this course is is like olympic weightlifting versus like bodybuilding and Mm -hmm. there's a myth there's a myth out there that people ask me this all the time like oh i'm worried that if i strength train and i put on muscle mass i'm gonna get bulky and like slow down on the instrument and if that would happen, it happens because your workout paradigm is not structured well and you develop these fascial lesions uh, and you're not getting them broken up and you're not 
you're, you get bulky and slow down because you're not getting those fascial adhesions broken up. So most people's bodies, essentially, when I start working with them, a lot of people who don't take care of themselves, their body is composed of piano wire with chewing gum stuck all over it, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Because everything is super tight, high strung, and then there's schmutz or, you know, scar tissue all over it. So um, the thing that people don't understand is a lot of people is how this also affects the, the central nervous system. When mm-hmm. you when you start stretching, <clears throat> when you start stretching and, and you feel things start to kind of relax and you gain a little bit of mobility, literally 50% of that is your central nervous system understanding, oh, okay, I'm not under threat. I can stop holding on to this particular muscle. And the central nervous Mm. system relinquishes control. And then the other 50% of it is the muscles and tendons and ligaments doing their thing. Um, So, and there's still some of the stuff that, that, you know, scientifically we don't understand actually what's going on. But in the grand scheme of things for what we're doing, that doesn't really even matter as long as it works. Mm which it which it does so yeah like mobility when you're talking about olympic lifters if you look at someone doing like a a snatch or a deadlift or something like that like these 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 olympic weightlifters have crazy mobility and they they have to because they're like you lifting a ton of weight going like down to the ground sometimes and so you know we're not trying to be olympic weightlifters here uh certainly but we want to have a combination of strength and mobility so that we can play our instrument until we're a hundred and it gives us the, the sort of extra horsepower that we need to, you know, it's, it's like a, if you want to do the car analogy, it's like, um, you know, my, my 70 Barracuda has a three speed transmission. So it does not like going on the freeway. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's just like, <laughs> right. It's like, it doesn't like it. So as opposed to like if you buy a brand new car right now, a lot of these cars have like nine speed transmissions, literally like wow. three times as many speeds. And you can also think of this like a bicycle if you're not a car person, like riding a fixie bicycle versus like a, a mountain bike or something with like 21 speeds. So it yeah. just gives you all of this uh, um, different gearing, literally and sort of physically, um, that you can access. And, you know, yeah. even with, even, even with my Magnum, which is a five speed, you know, I get that on the freeway and it's like, cool, I could do this all day. Right? right. And so that's sort of what you end up manufacturing by, by following this protocol is you're like, your body's like, I can do this all day. Like I'm strong. I'm mobile. Like this isn't like you get, I've taught so many people where they're like, I get done with the show now and I can play a whole other show. Um, I feel that way sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, um, so fair enough. So, so the mobility stuff is, is, is a crucial part of, of this whole equation. And that's where all the stretching with Yenny comes in, in this course. And it's funny, like a couple of years ago, before I went out on that Weezer tour, I did, I was working with Diana and I'm laying down on my back and she was bringing my, my leg up, like stretching my hamstring. And I was like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. It feels like my IT band's going to rip, you know? And my knee was, mm-hmm. like, pretty bent. Like, I was not doing anything remotely adventurous here. And she was, <laughs> she just ripped, she just, like, ripped me a new one. She's like, what are you doing? I can't believe you got no range of motion here. Like, I can't, you know, just <laughs> yelled at me. 
and uh, and showed me a, cu- a couple stretches to do. And she's like, you got to do these every day. And so I started doing them mostly just to not get yelled at when I would go and see her every week. Uh, sure, because yeah. that was that that was the thing is like if if I would she could tell like she was so amazing like she'd be like this tendon in your in your shoulders a little pissed did you bump up the bench press a little bit more than I told you to and I was like <laughs> yeah I did you know so so anyway I started doing these made six or seven stretches every single day and it literally took me like four months to get to the point that was like acceptable in terms of mobility um, and of doing it every day because it was a lifetime of not stretching. And so by the time I got out on that Weezer tour, which it sort of lined up that way, um, got it. I felt felt like I had all kinds of horsepower I I couldn't access or extra gears in that transmission I couldn't access before. And, you know, that stuff's not obviously not physically demanding, but, but, it's not like I'm playing death metal or something, but it's demanding in all sorts of other ways. And you're playing for 75, 80,000 people every night. So, right. You know, you got to bring it. I I had a similar experience with, um, the, the chiropractor that I go to in, uh, Atlanta is this great dude. He's kind of multidisciplinary. He started as a regular MD and then became a chiropractor and, and just, you know, also does ART and just sort of has all these Mm -hmm. things at his disposal. And the first time I went to him was around the same time and for the same reason that I had my first lesson with you. And it was all that hip shit, mm. like I was having pain and stiffness mm. in my right hip. So you and I like revamped my kick technique. And, and so I went into him and, <laughs> to, you know, described what I did and what I was feeling and, you know, talked at length. And, and he was like, okay, yeah, we can, I'll give you some stretches to do and we'll do a little work and get you fixed up. And I said, does this sound to you like a like a joint skeletal issue or like more of a muscular soft tissue issue. And he was like, well, it's called the musculoskeletal system. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) just him saying that to me, like completely shifted the whole way I think about it. Like I, you know, I'm not just stretching my muscles or my tendons. Like I'm getting my joints, you know, loose and increasing their range of motion. Like just because your hamstring is tight doesn't mean you just have to stretch the shit out of your hamstring. Like right. you've got to do stuff with your psoas and with your hip flexor and with exactly, you know. exactly. It, it, and it's, I have to make that point all the time. Like if your back is hurting and it's so funny cause this seems, the stuff seems so obvious, but everything seems obvious when it makes sense to you, but until it right. makes sense. Right. So uh, I remember this didn't really occur to me until a few years ago where like if I would have back stuff going on again from the gym, uh, I was like, oh, my calves and Achilles and hamstrings and IT band is all really tight. So like my back is getting pissed off because everything's pulling down on it from below. You know, mm-hmm. and Diana's like, yeah, duh. <laughs> it's just like, oh, yeah, like, but it's so funny. You can just get used to anything. So I will, I will, uh, oh, and there's like one anecdotal story here that um, my buddy Bill Burr was really, really close with Diane as well. And um, when at her funeral, we were, he was, we were all sort of telling stories. And he said, you know, the first time I went in to see her, we sat down and talked for about an hour. And then I was having trouble with my shoulder at the time. And 
we finally, you know, went in to get to start work. And she said, all right, why don't you lay down on your stomach? And she started working on my calves. And I realized at that moment, like, oh, this woman's a genius. <laughs> because, you know, you can't just assume that that things are starting where they where the problem is because everything's interrelated and i will also before i forget counter um a little bit here um so so chiropractors sort of you know generic general chiropractor works on the skeletal system and the, the spine specifically right and yeah. you know people think of a chiropractor and they're going and kind of cracking stuff and to me if you're seeing that kind of a chiropractor which this person you're talking about sounds like they're a lot more than that, which is great. But if you're seeing a sort of generic someone in the phone book chiropractor who's just cracking stuff, that doesn't do anything, in my opinion and in my experience. It ends up being a Band-Aid to where you go, oh, I feel pretty good. And then three days later, you're like, I'm just back to normal because we're talking about m muscles. We're not talking about the skeletal system. So, uh, so, but again, there is a lot of, a whole world in between the two. And if you get a good practitioner, like it sounds like the guy you have, they, un they understand that. But what happens is a lot of people go, Oh, my back hurts and my neck hurt or whatever. And then they see a chiropractor and they don't get any soft tissue work done. And that to me, in my experience is a total waste of time and money. Yes. And, um, there's, there's the soft tissue work, but there's also soft tissue exercises, right? Like going mm -hmm. back to strengthening, and, you know, yes. I, I think a good chiropractor and a good body worker of, of any discipline will show you how to strengthen yourself and how, like you said, stay out of your own way. It's like, yes, I can fix you up here and, you know, get your fucking bones back where they should be. But if the muscles around those bones are weak, like the muscles is part of what holds those bones in place. So you need mm -hmm. to strengthen that shit so that, you know, this doesn't happen again or at least happens a lot less often um, exactly and that's so much of the problem is the world we live in people don't want to do the work you know so many americans would rather get their stomach stapled or take ozempic rather than go on a diet and so you see these ads on instagram for like a shirt you can wear some strap you put on to like help your posture and or you know bad pts will tell people to roll their shoulders back and down to to combat the internal rotation that happens from all this repetitive movement we have where you become mm -hmm. collapsed into yourself. And the real solution to that is strength training. It's like, no, your front of your body is stronger than the back of your body from all this stuff you're doing, playing an instrument for years. So what we need to do is strength train and strengthen the back to pull your shoulders back and down and get your body to get back into that natural expansive state that it's designed to function in. Strength training is the yeah. only thing that does that. Right. And when we, we, when we talk about strength training, we don't necessarily mean going into a gym and hucking weights around, although you can do that. But, um, you know, just my, my PT on this tour has given me tons of exercises that I just do like on my own, on the floor. Like there's just all kinds of body weight resistance or resistance band shit. And a lot of it isn't really strenuous. It's not, it's not like you're fucking grunting and sweating. You're just like working these muscles gradually and in some you know in some cases gently and over time they just strengthen and and fix the shit that was wrong um yeah and, you know and speaking so of of the back my my back has been 
uh, my, my biggest liability on this tour. Like I thought it was going to be my hands and from the elbow down and all that shit, but the workload that my back is under, um, has been what I've felt the most and, and what I've needed to work on the most. Well, you're also tall. And so if you're tall, yeah. that usually, <laughs> usually becomes more of an issue with people that are taller, but yeah, that's why I talk so much about thrones and throne height and all that posture stuff. Uh, and again, this applies to all musicians, um, but that's why that stuff is so important. And again, that information is not out there. We could talk ad nauseum about all the physical stuff <laughs> and it's all <laughs> great info. Um, but as I was getting ready to talk to you, I realized that, you know, your, uh, your course, uh, the getting out of your own way course is, is divided into two halves. And one is basically, you know, physical technique stuff. And the other is just the creative side and your own creative development. Um, I have not gone through that half of the course um, and you know, I, I think m most of the teaching you do and most of the content that you put out there is, is about the physical side. Um, so I just wanted to hear a little bit about, you know, the overall concepts you explore in terms of developing your creativity, um, with students. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I talk about the, the overall healthy use of the body so much on social media because, Again, I don't really see a lot out there that makes sense to me um, or the people that I do see out there are maybe like people who have some sort of certification in whatever physical physical therapy or, or, or they're a personal trainer and then they kind of play drums for fun and they don't really have any real world experience. And so that becomes dangerous in, in my opinion. Um, and because again, we're compartmentalizing. So I, that's when I talk about stuff on online, that's what I tend to talk about. But, and also I tend to save a lot of the sort of real stuff for in person or zoom lessons or the course. And it's difficult to talk about the musical stuff without sort of letting the cat out of the bag a little bit on, <laughs> on social media. So, so, um, yeah, it's the, the, the second half of the course is broken up into basically uh, like time, like pocket feel and um, phrasing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and a lot of this course, there's a lot of talking in the course because so much of it is conceptual and philosophical. And if you have your philosophy and, and your conceptual approach down, or at least like you're thinking about that kind of stuff, that takes care of so much before you even sit down on the instrument to play. Mm -hmm. And someone comes into that. This happens all the time. Someone's like, Hey, I want your help with tuning. And I'm like, okay, what are some of your favorite drum sounds? Like who are the drummers? What are the records? Who are the producers? Um, have you looked at what gear they were using? What, what year it was like, blah, blah, blah. And so like, just, and even if they don't know any of that stuff, it's just like, okay, what's your favorite. If we're going to work on tuning your standard, what's your favorite, snare drum sound on a record mm -hmm. because 
when you're playing a snare drum, you have to have an idealized perfect sound, like a sample in your head of like, this is what I'm going for in this context, let's say. Um, and so many people don't have that. Yeah. So when they're playing, they're just kind of like hitting stuff. They don't even know what they're going for. So it's like, we need to figure out what you want to sound like before we can worry about tuning. Because if you don't know what you want to sound like, if you don't have a tonal orientation in mind, you're not going to be able to tune the drums because you don't know what they want to sound like. And that goes for also into the technical stuff, like in terms of how you're hitting the drums, a lot of people are just kind of like hitting them. And if you know what sound you're going for, you're going to want to know how to hit them to get the sound that's in your head. Um, you know, a lot of times I just had someone out here studying with me, flew out here from, from Europe and we just, had a long talk about their childhood and, you know, and I've done a lot of therapy myself. I've read a lot of books. I don't claim to be a therapist. Um, and I'm not a life coach. I'm not any of that stuff, <laughs> but you know, the, the, again, we don't want to compartmentalize. So the creative approach and why we're playing an instrument in the first place has a lot to do with your childhood, uh, trauma, things you've been through. And so, you know, someone I was, I was going through a lot of that stuff with, with someone and, and then they came back and were like, oh, my God, that, that was, like, so helpful. And I was able to let go of so much baggage. And so, you know, and then they're going to end up playing better. And and right. so, you know, the the there's all sorts of stuff that I do that's, you know, posture and technique is just one one form of it. Um, but with the, the phrasing, there's certainly a lot of stuff in there that's straight up like math that I was very – influenced by david garibaldi and gary gary chafee certainly mm -hmm. um how i sort of understand linear playing or you want to call it gospel chops or fusion or whatever because that stuff is so popular now so um how i came to understand that stuff when i was hanging out with those guys back in the day mm -hmm. um and then how i came to you know uh, whatever you want to say have my own voice or or when i talk about phrasing or identity making a musical statement it's it's a lot of that stuff so it's 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 kind of all over the map there's a lot of different strategies in there and again i'm constantly updating it so i have a lot of stuff i can add later on down the road as well but it's about going who am i what do i want to say and how am i going to say that on, on this instrument and and that doesn't have to necessarily do with technique you know it's like people always say like like john bonham can play a garbage can and sound amazing and that's true it's because he right. he knew what he was going for right right and i think it, a lot of it boils down to intentionality and there's you know we we talk we have talked a lot about how intentional uh we should be with our physical approach um and you know, I think even if you're even if you're free improvising, you can still do that with a lot of intention. And um, I think there's there's just exactly a lot of, I experience it in my own playing. Sometimes there's just a lot of thoughtless playing um, that that doesn't really exactly. say anything. Yep. And there's a whole section in the course on active playing versus passive playing, which is exactly mm. about that, because. A lot of people are playing from their hands and their feet, not their heart and their and their mind. Yeah. And so they're just throwing their limbs around, whether that's playing licks that they've played for decades and they know they're going to be like safe 
um, or they're just like moving their hands and feet around and hoping something cool happens on accident. <laughs> and if you're, if you're playing in that way, you're not going to have an emotional impact on the listener because it's not going to have any sort of brevity or, or depth to it because you're just like basically literally going, I don't know. <laughs> uh, like I, I, they're like ro- rolling the dice and like hoping it crossing your fingers and hoping it works out instead of having again your conceptual approach together and when you go to hit a drum or a cymbal or something you go this is what i want to be doing right now and that level of conviction comes across in the music you know there's a reason why in the air tonight is the most famous drum fill of all time probably because <laughs> everyone can sing that Everyone knows, even non-musicians know that because Phil Collins is such a genius. He's so good at that exact thing, having an idea coming from his heart, mind, and being able to explore that, having no idea. That guy doesn't know what he's doing at all, Like, which is, <laughs> which is incredible. I mean, right. I think that's unbelievable. Like, He's just so incredibly gifted. He just hears stuff and plays it. And that's really what we're trying to develop, that skill set when it comes to active playing, as opposed to, you know, going to college and learning what uh, a 16th note is, but knowing what, knowing the what, but not the why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think you, you mentioned compartment, compartmentalization. Um, and I haven't thought about sort of the, you know, the drum landscape in that way very much but it is incredibly compartmentalized uh both in terms of uh you know technique and how people learn technique um and in terms mm-hmm. of i guess how how that technique manifests itself creatively um mm-hmm. there's uh like i mean a, a great example and something i wanted to talk to you about was was rudiments i think people compartmentalize <laughs> rudiments and you're <laughs> you're laughing cuz like you you kicked up some dust on instagram yep. a couple weeks ago um and yep. you know i think people got the wrong idea thinking that you were like you know coming out as anti rudiment or saying that the rudiments are bullshit or a waste of time um and you know, so, of, yeah, yeah of course they're not yeah. But they can right. be used in such a compartmentalized way that there there isn't much benefit in terms of how you're actually going to get around the drums. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I found this old Stanley Specter quote from somewhere where he was basically saying like this was developed from the Civil War in the Army in the you know late 1800s. And it's a bunch of army generals going, these are the rudiments you need to know to be able to play in the U.S. Army. It's like, it's 2024. What does that have to do with anything? (laughs) Right. It's right. So like, um, even when I was nine or 10 years old, when I started playing, I did, you know, I went through the rudiments and I was like, yeah, but why I can just do singles, doubles, paradiddles. Um, you know, like a six stroke roll flams, flam tap, you know, there's like seven or eight. And if you can do those basic rudiments, you can do any of the other ones. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the story that you're told and sold that, okay, you need to learn all these basic rudiments. And that, then when you're that way, you're going to be a quote unquote real drummer. And the problem is, is you learn a pad of flaw and then you're like, okay, teacher, what do I do now? And they're like, 
I don't know. I guess like you move it around the kid or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. There's never any real world application to this stuff. And the real problem here is most people just want to play music. Mm-hmm. So you're sp- whatever you're choosing to spend time on, you're automatically choosing time to not spend time on anything else you could hypothetically be playing. So if you're spending all this time doing rudiments and you're not spending time with your pocket, uh, they not only do they have not nothing to do with each other, but you're working on the wrong thing. If you want to be a musician and get paid for it. Right. Um, so yeah, it's unbelievable how many people got really angry about that because <laughs> you know, if they, if they structured their whole life around playing rudiments and that being something they needed to do and, you know, using that as their current, not currency, but way that they played the instrument. Yeah. They're going to be super threatened by that. But the whole analogy of rudiments are like the letters and where uh, music is a language, that analogy is, I don't think, I don't think works actually, because it would be a better analogy to go like, okay, we're playing eighth notes on the hats and the snares on two and four. Where can we put the bass drum? That's like sort of a more modern context of something that's actually useful. So, mm-hmm. uh, because you know, if you're if you're saying I'm learning all these rudiments and then I'm going to be an orchestral snare drum player or I'm going to play in drum corps exclusively, which that's a whole other thing, mm-hmm. um, that would be a better analogy. But for the drum set and playing basically anything since the 1950s or 60s, that analogy completely falls apart. If you grew up in, you know, the 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 teens, 20s, 30s and you're playing rudimental snare drum and then you play jazz, there's a direct lineage from one to the other. But any time past that, the whole thing falls apart. So, yeah, I'm not anti-rudiment, but like all these people that that tell you you need to learn the rudiments in order to be a real drummer or play drums, it's complete nonsense. If anything, it takes you further away from the instrument. Yeah, and that's another thing is like we, we not only compartmentalize uh, the rudiments sort of as this set of vocabulary, but a lot of us compartmentalize them over to the practice pad with like, mm-hmm. with no trend, like, you know, they'll, they'll sit and on the couch and like bang rudiments on a practice pad while they watch Netflix and think mm-hmm. that that is going to somehow benefit them when they sit down at the drum set. Um, mm-hmm. and it just, it just doesn't. Um, in terms of the rudiments being, totally. you know, the the this um, the letters or the building blocks or whatever, um, I I I agree with your sort of uh, rejection of them in that sense as content, um, because exactly it, it like like you said you learn a pot of fla fla and you're like okay how can I use this I guess I'll just move around the toms and use it that way. Uh, so thinking of the rudiments as content or as vocabulary, I think is is again compartmentalizing and limiting them. Well, and and on that point, going back to the active versus passive playing, if you're going around the kit and you're playing, okay, you're thinking, okay, sticking, okay, rudiment, okay, this fill I already know. You're thinking language and terminology. You're fucked. <laughs> right, right. That is not that is not going to sound good. Right. I think they're much more useful as the, you know they're they're not the building blocks of content or vocabulary they'll they're the building blocks of motion and movement 
like the different rudiments will teach mm. you, a, you know, each rudiment sort of teaches you a specific motion. And there are all kinds of ways to mm. use that motion that aren't that rudiment, right? Like if, mm -hmm. you know, if you learn flam taps, the, the right half of a flam tap is basically the jazz ride pattern, like an accent mm -hmm. followed by two taps. You mentioned pot of flaflas, like the right hand half of that is um, the opposite, like a da 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 two two taps right accent so like if you can start right. thinking of the rudiments as those pieces of motion like how can i use this piece of motion in different ways around the kit then you're feeling things right yeah it's a, that's a, that's a better way to think about it i mean but then that gets into the whole thing of like you know how are you using yourself to begin with right, right. and <laughs> and so there's all the, there's all this drum course stuff where people are like tap bounce free stroke like pull the stick up and all this shit where i'm just Six like oh inch, god nine inch. so yeah oh yeah it's just the worst um i so, will like, say the, like the, I, the, the I, amount of i haven't done drum corps uh, you know i marched snare in in college and i played timpani in drum corps i've never marched a serious snare line um but what i've been seeing on instagram like it it seems like drum corps drumming has really gone through a somewhat of a renaissance and i see so much more fluidity so much less rigidity um than i did you know god was it fucking 25 years ago when i was in core Whew. yeah <laughs> mm. so i i think to to their credit um drum corps has has loosened up quite a bit and there are much better habits being implemented but it's still a lot. Yeah, but that's like that's like that's like saying, well, it's not Guantanamo Bay; it's just a federal prison, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, I mean, the bar the bar was so unbelievably low, and the use was so stiff and out of sync with how the body's designed to be used, and out of sync with the drum set. Yes. So the problem here is like back in the day in the seventies and eighties and nineties. The use back then was uh, I really can't even watch people. It, it like literally hurts me to watch it. Um, and and, you know, uh, that is it better than, than that time period? Yeah, for sure. But I had a long talk with some an educator um, after that, um, after I posted about that. And he's a very nice guy. We went back and forth on DMs or whatever. And he's like, it's a lot different now, whatever. And then I looked at his page. And like uh, his elbows are buried in, he's collapsed into himself. He's doing like a seven against 11 polyrhythm video, which is a whole other thing that's not useful. So he's a very, very nice guy. But again, but again, we get stuck into, are you, if you're doing drum corps for drum corps and you graduate college and you go and work in an office somewhere, sure. But if you're doing drum corps and thinking it has, any relation to the drum set whatsoever as an instrument and you think there's anything you can take from one to the other you're sorely mistaken uh, in my opinion and even if you're able to get out of that paradigm unscathed like very few people matt chamberlain even though keith carlock has a lot of weird stuff he does he's obviously amazing but there's a few guys so you can't really tell they did drum corps but a lot of drum corps guys have amazing hands on a kevlar head and they have no feet and so when they're playing drum set, it just sounds really bad mm -hmm. uh, because they've only focused on their hands and they don't understand how to use their feet in relation to their hands or just their feet at all. And again, they're not going for a drum set aesthetic. They're going for a drum core aesthetic. So right. there's, there's a sort of multitude of, of issues there. Um, 
And, you know, uh, people get really mad about this. I mean, you know, I never marched drum corps. And if, if I could snap my fingers and have drum corps never exist, I would do it because I think it does a lot more, does a lot more harm than good uh, to people physically. Now, again, if someone wants to do drum corps and they stay in drum corps and, and it's like gymnastics and you, you graduate college and then you get a normal job or you teach gymnastics, cause that's all you can really do. Um, but because it, it becomes its own insular thing, but it gets, becomes right. very dangerous, very dangerous. If you think it has anything to do with drum set, it, it does not. I'm sure. I'm sure people are going to get mad about that, but whatever. I'm here. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not the first time you've pissed people off, and you're not afraid to do that. And, <laughs> you know, and I, th- I think you know, people, people are under the impression that you're out to like tear all these things down. And I mean, to be fair, you did just say you would eviscerate drum corps if you could. <laughs> but you know, whether it's whether it's rudiments or you know molar technique or certain drummers or certain educators, um, I, I you know. I think people think you're just anti all these things. And in, in most cases, I think you're not. It's just we have to examine, um, y- you know, the, the, the right and wrong way to do these, the, the, the uh, beneficial or harmful way to go about these things. Um, yeah. The, the, the wrong ideas people get through self-teaching or bad teaching. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I don't think you're out to really tear anything or anyone down. I think you're just trying to get at the best answers through questioning. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. That is what I'm trying to do. And, and at the end of the day, I'm very I want what's best for people. And I'm concerned about people. And nothing makes my blood boil more than someone spending time and money and effort with uh, information that's that's not all the way there, correct? I don't like saying right or wrong, but there's certainly stuff out there that's just straight up wrong, like mm-hmm. out of sync with science and, and, the, and how the universe functions um, and how anatomy functions. Um, and, you know, basically... I want people to question everything. I want people to question everything I'm saying. I want people to question all these long-held beliefs and assumptions that have been around for decades or either hundreds of years and go, well, does this even make any sense to begin with? Or does this make any sense in this modern context? Because so much of what's out there, people say something and on paper they go, oh, yeah, okay, cool. But then when you actually dive into it, the whole thing falls apart. And... I get it. There are certain educators or players out there devoted large chunks of their life to these pedagogical approaches. So they have a lot invested in it. And I've taught a few of them and have gotten through to them and they go, Oh my God, I've, I got to call all these students from the past 30 years and like apologize to them for telling them (laughs) to stick their elbows into their ribs because that's Uh, what I was taught. And I never questioned it. Yeah. So, you know, that's the kind of work I'm, I'm trying to do. And, um, and, you know, the way I see it, there's a there's a, a, a scene. It's kind of a sort of morbid example, but there's a scene in one of my favorite shows, um, The Nick. And um, there's a scene in, where a doctor, this is around the turn of the century, sort of theorizes that all disease starts in the mouth. And so as a preventative measure in his own family, he removed everyone's teeth uh, to sort of stop disease before it started. And well-intentioned, but a butcher. And that is how I believe a lot of people are not just in drumming. Mm -hmm. Like 
I'm not shitting on specific people. I'm just saying in every field, especially with the internet, personal trainers, psychologists. I mean, dude, a bad psychotherapist can ruin someone's life. That's a huge responsibility. Bad life coaches. I mean, I live in LA, dude. They're everywhere. Yeah. Like and, bad, I mean, you shaman, can just, bad you can, shamans. You can appoint yourself a life coach the same way you can anoint yourself a producer. It's like you just decide you are one day. Um, and totally. And, and it's the same thing with, with personal trainers and, 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 you know, teachers, it's the same everywhere. So like people go like, Oh man, you're like talking shit about these people. I'm like, no, I'm just trying to get you to question everything all the time and not just go, well, this is the way this has been done forever. And this is what a bunch of these old dead guys are saying. So I guess we got to just keep doing it. Right. No. Right. And the other thing you mentioned on Instagram recently was like, if you know, if you find a teacher or an approach or a concept that you you know, if, if you sort of interrogate it and you're like, okay, this this seems like there's something to it, put it to the test, right? Like mm-hmm. actually do it, put it into practice, mm-hmm. and and talk to some other people who have put it into practice, um, and uh, you know, that's that's what I you know I, I know that you are constantly putting things into practice. Um, to uh, to strengthen and validate and evolve your approach. Um, yeah, absolutely. So you're, and you're I change things it, too. Yeah, you're imposing it on yourself. And then you have this track record of, you know, all these students from all these different backgrounds and all these different styles who are getting results from it. Um, exactly. And, and you watch these guys, well, to, to, to like... Oh, yeah, and I that's why my course is constant. Both of these courses are going to be constantly updatable because I go, oh, yeah, because I'm constantly teaching and I go, yeah, you know, there's a better way to do this. There's a better mm-hmm. way to explain this. And um, uh, I that's why I do what I do because I follow my own advice and I question things and I change things if need be. You know, go on my website, look at all these people I've taught. Like, check out before and after. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, when you check out before videos and an after one, you're like, not only does this look better, it sounds way better. Yeah. And there are there are famous guys who studied with famous guys, and you check out the before clip and you check out the after clip, and you're like, ugh, like what happened here? <laughs> like this this sounds this sounds worse. Right. right. Uh, and that you know, and if you're dealing with good ped- pedagogical approach and good information, it should sound better. At right. the very least, right. right? Not not worse. So, so much and even of what's if it, out there. E- even if it sounds the same, it should feel better to that person. Right, right, <laughs> Exa- exactly. And and you know, even if you're a very intelligent person, which a lot of these people were very intelligent people, like the, the students, um, it's very easy to human beings love someone to follow. They love a good guru, yeah. and just being able to put someone on a pedestal and not question anything and get get um sort of swept up by a cult of personality human beings are primed for that shit um so you have to really have your wits about you and not get the wool wool pulled over your eyes and um this is the other thing about a mentor to do yeah this is the other thing about a mentor is I, i think people are under the mistaken impression that like if you know if you decide someone is your mentor you have to swallow everything they give you whole um and you know i'm sure most of your students, myself included, uh, 
have have utilized certain aspects of your approach that make sense to us or that fulfill a need for us, whether it's an immediate need or sort of a long-term goal. I, I doubt very many of your students are like taking the whole thing <laughs> and, you know, just uh, making Elish their religion. Yeah. I mean, well, it's, a, it's also a lot of stuff, you know, right. so, um, <laughs> and, and, you know, it's a lot of stuff. So yeah, just taking it piecemeal is maybe the best or only way you can do it temporarily anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, you know, uh, it's hard for, it's hard for me to say, I mean, I will say in terms of the use stuff specifically, um, you know, one thing that does get dangerous is someone takes one lesson from me or several lessons from me and then they try to start teaching my shit mm-hmm. and, that that gets really dangerous, uh, and I don't. For the record, I don't have anyone that I've taught who I I back teaching what I do, uh, because you have to be unusually sensitive to be able to convey this information properly. Mm-hmm. Um, so if someone's out there going, yeah, I'm teaching, you know, like Dave's stuff. Like I studied with, you know, Joe Morello, and I'm teaching Morello stuff. Like whatever. Um, I, I'm sure they're out there. I just haven't found them yet. I mean, my buddy Federico Pavlovich in Italy is the closest for sure. Um, but this stuff's very complex and nuanced. And, you know, I've taught plenty of amazing drummers where they come back and they're like, yeah, this pickup single, not bearing the beater thing. It's just, that's eh, too hard. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> like whatever, like it's, you know, whatever you want to do and they're going to keep being successful and whatever. And I'm down to help someone with whatever whatever they want and however I can best help them and however they want to apply that stuff is, is up to them. So um, all I can do is just sit there and hit a bass drum the way I hit it and then have them hit it and go, which one sounds better? Right. Like, <laughs> you know, um, and then they're free to do whatever they want. I mean, all I can do is, is, is say, hey, look, I have a bunch of real world playing experience. I can play at a very high level. I walk the walk. I te- like I whatever I'm telling you to do, I do mm-hmm. in real life. So like that's a very important thing as well. So it's like the, you know the proofs in the pudding. Like watch, take everything I say and watch me play. And a lot of that's all that stuff is going to be inside of that when you watch me play. Um, I had teachers where they would tell you to do something. I had a bunch of amazing teachers, but I had a few teachers here and there where. They would tell you to do something and then you'd watch them and you're like, that's not what you told me to do. And that would try, that would drive me crazy. It would be very confusing. And it's not just about watching what you do. It's not just about like everything I'm telling you to do. I do. I, I think in your case, like I said, you have a track record of many, many students who have implemented at least some of what you had to offer and yep. found found good results. So, you know, yeah, it's like don't 100%. don't believe don't believe me. Don't just take my word for it. Don't just watch me. Like look at Chris yep. McHugh and David Garibaldi. Yeah. And you know, not just yep. the big name big name guys. Like there are people of multiple levels, right? They're not just yep. like doing the world tours. Um, there are students who are sort of just getting started in their career who Mm -hmm. have opened up a whole new aspect in their playing and, and got like developed, you know, good habits from an early stage rather than having to to fix bad habits. Redo everything. Yeah. Later. And, you know, to be clear, I want to be super clear here that I'm not saying like I'm right and everyone else is wrong. There is no right or wrong here. I just think there are better ways to go about things. Uh, in terms of a, a psychophysical approach, like 
you know, some a way that someone's doing something. It's like I have some I have someone I was working with yesterday, like the way they were hitting the bass drum, like you could totally do that the way you're doing it the rest of your life and it would be fine. It's good. You know, it's all good. Let me trim the fat a little bit and then show and then half an hour, whatever, 20 minutes later, they're like, whoa. But yeah, so you could also do that. But like whatever you want to do. Yeah, is is cool. So this, this people always like think I'm saying like everyone's wrong and I'm right. It's not about right or wrong. It's just you know, can we improve on 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 whatever this particular thing is that we're talking about? There is no. It's like with posture, there is no perfect posture. We're just trying to get in the ballpark. Are yeah. some people in the ballpark? Are some people in the parking lot? <laughs> yeah, that, that's all we're trying. That's all we're trying to do. And I want people to have good, solid information with which they can do that with yeah yeah um something that that kind of made this or brought this full circle to me and and made me realize um like how far i had come was um a couple weeks ago my wife came to visit me in providence it was it was her birthday week so the show was in providence she flew out there and and we hung out and she got to sit next to me in the iso booth while i played the show um, and it was a really fulfilling experience in, in many ways. Um, cause you know, she'd seen me play a thousand times obviously. Um, but she had never sat right next to me while I do it. Um, and you know, this show being the biggest, coolest thing I've ever done, you know, it was just a great moment for us. Like she was really proud of me. It was all that. But after the show, she was like, she, she knew this was the most physically demanding thing I've ever done in terms of energy, volume, you know, uh, the, the rigorousness of the schedule, but like she's well aware of the physical demands. And after the show, she was like, it, it looked effortless. Like what you were doing was the most strenuous shit I've ever seen you do. And <laughs> it just looked effortless. So it, well, you know, it, it doesn't feel a, effortless to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 But, but that's a perfect example is, someone that knows you better than anyone yeah. but doesn't know anything about drums right when you're plugging into that universal healthy use of how the body is designed to operate regardless of whatever sport we're playing or musical instrument we're playing that is immediately noticeable to a sort of civilian like like she doesn't know anything about uh, about drumming at all but she's like wow you really made that look effortless and that's what this is all about that's 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 beautiful yeah it was just a sort of um, a reminder that like, man, it really has made a difference. Um, so yeah, great. Well, I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, man. That's so great. Really, well, you're really also applying. You, sure. Yeah. My pleasure. You're also applying it and doing the work. So good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it was great talking to you, man. Great catching up. Always. Um, thanks for, uh, thanks for continuing to, to put this stuff out. Um, I think it's, just super helpful to a lot of people thanks man that's why i do it right on we'll talk to you soon all right buddy take care there you go dave elich thanks to him for hanging out once again his new course staying out of your own way is available for pre-order now at s-o-o-y-o-w.com that's staying out of your own way s-o-o-y-o-w.com 
I also highly recommend his drum course getting out of your own way and or just grabbing a lesson with him. As I said, both have been hugely beneficial to me. Next week, Matt Krause will be talking with L.A. drummer and educator Richard Martinez, whose students have included Vinny Caliuta, Carlos Vega, and David Garibaldi. Hope you check that out. Until then, stay safe, stay sane, play pretty, and thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers.